Well, um, I don't know about you, but this morning, I don't know if it's the weather or what yesterday was going on, um, but I, can't, I came in this morning kind of uh, low-key. It's like, yeah, I guess I should go to church because like, I'm supposed to talk this morning. You know, God and I were kind of debating over that, whether you know, he would you know, send somebody else to deliver the message, and he said, no, you need to go. And uh, so I came in, and, and um, I needed that worship set this morning. I just I needed to be tied back to the Creator and reminded that salvation is here. And I love that little line that He lives in me. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've given your heart to Him. Know that Romans 8, 11 says, The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And I don't know if that blows your mind ever, but it like wrecks me sometimes. Like I'm like trying to figure out how can I see, you know, like Him in there. But... The creator of the universe lives inside you, if you're a believer. So, um, Brandon, thanks for the celebration this morning. And um, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. There should be a Bible around you if you didn't bring your own Bible. And we have a few extra Bibles, our paperback Bibles, over on a table over there by the wall. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, found on page 737. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's found on page 737, and you'll see something in there. You'll see some big numbers and some little numbers. So the big numbers represent chapters, and the smaller numbers represent verses. But just find your spot there and hold your finger in that place, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But as as has been said this morning, we are starting a new series and the new series that we're, we're going to be doing is called 5G. And um, we have been talking over this past series kind of what it meant for Jesus' disciples to be disciples in Jesus' day. And uh, we're kind of turning the corner a little bit and building upon that. And we're, we're looking at our lives today. What does it mean for us to walk in Jesus' footsteps? What does it mean for us to, to uh, be in a relationship with God? And often... That this type of question comes out of new believers. They want to know, um, what is the goal of the Christian life? So you may have wondered that in your own life. So if you cross the bridge of faith and at one point give your heart to Jesus, then you say, now what? Where am I going? What should I be doing? What should I be focused on? What's the destination that I'm headed towards? And 1 John 2.6 answers that for us. When it says that those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So that's kind of the goal of the Christian life. If you claim to be a Christ follower, that is the goal. So becoming like Jesus is the goal for every Christ follower. Or it should be the goal for every Christ follower. And in most uh, church environments, there's a word that's been selected to define that. And the word is sanctification. And it's a, a word you may not hear very often. Um, But sanctification is that process of us becoming like Jesus. And if that's the goal, if becoming like Jesus is the goal for each person who desires a deeper relationship with God, then how do we get there? What's the roadmap that we use? I mean, how do we navigate the obstacles of life? How How do we get from here to there? Several of us were up at a conference in Jacksonville this past um, few days, this past week, and that was the big subject they were dealing with. It was, how do you get people from here? How do you get them to there? And a conversation that I have often with pastors regularly, when I meet with pastors in in kind of an informal setting, 
often one of those questions that arises when pastors are talking amongst pastors is how do you get people to move from here to there? Because we, we know, like, if you were to look at yourself, probably very few people would say, I'm already like Jesus, right? I mean, most of us, like, when we cross the bridge of faith, we know there's a lot of work to do, right? And so when we realize there's a lot of work to do, we say, okay, now how do we move? How do we get in that direction where God wants us to go? And so as we have wrestled with that here at Epic, we've come up with what we call the 5G life. And we're going to work in this series through the 5G life. And it's just a simple tool that, that guides us on our journey. It's kind of like a little roadmap that we can use as we're headed in that direction of becoming like Jesus. So I'm going to run through them real quick for you. So uh, it's God, grow, gather, give, and go. All right, anybody can repeat that back to me real quick? Oh, I was hoping we didn't have it like on the screen. Okay, all right, so in time, it will come. It's, it's language that we will learn together. So here it is again. God, grow, gather, give, go. So talk and listen to God daily is the first part. And then learn from God daily and apply what you are learning. And then gather with a small group of Christ followers to learn how to live in biblical community. And then we need to learn how to give of our time, our talents, and our resources to advance the kingdom of God. And then we need to go. We need to tell people about Jesus everywhere with our life and with our words. Now, as we've kind of examined the life of Jesus, those are the kind of things that kind of rose to the surface. You know, what was in Jesus' life? What did he do on a regular basis? And what should be in our lives as we're growing in our relationship with God? And we think it's those five things. That if, if you're growing to be a mature believer in Jesus, those five things will be very active in your life. And so today, today we are going to focus on the first G, and that is talking and listening to God on a daily basis. Now, the Bible says that God is the Alpha and Omega, which means the beginning and the end. And so all of life starts with God because He is the giver of life. And so if we're going to be in a relationship... A primary relationship for all of us should be a relationship with God. And it just, it still amazes me and blows my mind that the creator of the universe wants a relationship with me and you. He wants a personal relationship with each one of us. That's his desire. And so in order to have that relationship with God, we've got to get to know God. In order to get to know God, we actually have to talk to God. We actually have to... In, engage God in conversation. We will never know God without talking to him. It's not possible. We've got to learn how to talk to him. We may learn a lot about God, and there's a lot of people that know a lot of information about God and still never know God personally. Now, can, can you imagine um, a couple that desire to be married and they never talk? Like they never have a conversation? sometimes when I watch couples nowadays, I think that maybe that happened. You know, you ever see couples like out at, at dinner or something and they're just chomping food and staring, you know, off in the distance and they never talk. And it's like, wow, did they just like show up and get married and, and that was it? No conversation, no getting to know each other. And when Tammy and I were dating, you know, it was pri of primary importance to us to hang out. I mean, she is a gorgeous woman. And so like, I like really liked hanging out with her. She is a knockout. And I really enjoyed spending time with Tammy, and, and it was kind of cool that she kind of liked hanging out with me too. But we spent large amounts of time talking to each other, listening to each other, 
learning about each other because we wanted to know, is this somebody that God wants us to spend the rest of our lives with? And so we invested large amounts of time hanging out, learning from each other. And the more we hung out with each other, the more we learned we had a lot in common. The more we learned we had a lot in common, the more we liked each other. And that kind of led on and on till you know, one day we said, hey, I really think that we, we want to stay together for the rest of our lives. And if you ever get the opportunity, the privilege to get to know my wife, you will understand why I fell in love with her. She's an amazing woman. And you might start questioning um, how smart she is that she ended up with me. But everybody has a bad day. Sometimes we're stuck with those decisions. Okay, so communication is central to the life of any relationship. So if you're going to be in a relationship, communication is vital. And it involves several parts. So there's the talking part, and then there's the listening part. And when it comes to talking to God, many of us get a little bit weirded out, don't we? A little bit nervous. I mean, what do you say to God? Okay. Trent again. How you doing? You know, I mean, how do you engage God in in a meaningful conversation? And prayer can be one of those intimidating things where we're... Like, what do you do? You know, how do you, how do, you do that? Do you bow your head? Do you fold your hands? I mean, do you sit down? Do you kneel? I mean, how do you, like, what's the position for really engaging God in a conversation? And I don't think that that's what God had in mind when, when he talks in Scripture that we should talk to him. I don't think that he wanted us to be so nervous. I don't think he wanted us to be so weirded out about this concept. Because prayer is just simply a conversation with God. Prayer is just talking to God. It's a conversation that anyone can have anytime, anywhere. doesn't matter what position you're in. doesn't matter if you're driving your car. Please don't close your eyes when you're driving your car. That's not safe. Keep your eyes open. But you can talk to God when you're driving your car. You can talk to God when you're at work all day. The Bible says that we should learn how to pray without ceasing. So that's like a life of prayer, that we're just always praying, always engaging God, always interacting with God all day long, no matter what's going on in your world. It doesn't have to be just that one little moment if you stop and pray before a meal. It should be more than that. Now, if you've ever asked the question, how in the world do you have a conversation with God? How do you talk to him? How do you pray? Then you are in very good company because even Jesus' closest disciples asked that question said, Jesus, we're not sure how to pray. Please teach us how to pray. So over in Matthew chapter 6, on 737 again, Jesus starts interacting with his disciples, and he starts teaching them how to pray. And he starts in verse, we're going to start in verse 5, and um, I'm going to read just a few verses, and then I want you to pay attention. I'm going to ask you just some questions like, what are you learning there? What, what is being said to you in that in that moment as Jesus is talking about praying. So starting in verse 5, this is Jesus speaking. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray... Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So, what did you hear? What did you hear Jesus say? 
And this is where I'm going to ask you to participate with me. So what did Jesus say there to you about prayer? All right, so he already knows. God already knows your needs. All right, so usually when, when that is stated, some people say, okay, so I don't need to pray because God already knows. But that's not what Jesus says as we go on. Jesus wants you to pray. And there's something that happens when we talk to God who already knows, like he wouldn't be God if like he didn't already know. And so he knows, and he says, I want you to pray anyway. Okay, so don't do it for recognition. Did you pick that up? It, it's, it, there's some cultural context going on there. So it doesn't mean don't pray in public. You know, we like pray up here, and it's not talking about don't pray in these type of environments. But in, in the cultural context, there were some folks that would pray in the street corner, and they would, they would you know, pray publicly and, and want everybody to see it because their motive was watch me as I pray and listen to my words because my words are wonderful. And Jesus says, you got your reward. Your words sound great. Way to go. And those prayers didn't make it. They didn't make it, you know, to, to the creator. He didn't hear them. He didn't want to hear those. Because it, do, it doesn't come from you. So he says, go, go privately. Go pray in the corner. Go, go close the door and, and, and just pray privately to God. And God will see you. And he will hear. So what else did you hear? What's that? Intimate and personal. So there's an intimate, personal part of that in prayer that Jesus says it needs to have this intimate engagement. So do some, there's some private stuff that goes along with that. What else? Don't repeat the same stuff over and over. Okay, now, right, right. Okay, so don't, don't go like over and over and over again in that. And say the same words, think, hoping that somehow there's something magical about that. He says, don't, don't do that. You know, pray in a different way. So Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9 through verse 13, it is the famous Lord's Prayer. And whether you grew up in a church environment or not, most likely you have heard either el- some elements of this. At some point in your life, you probably crossed this somewhere. Some of you may have grown up in environments where you've heard it so much you could probably come up and recite it for us right now. We are going to listen to the Lord's Prayer together. And so I just ask you, just just sit and listen to these beautiful words of Jesus modeling for us what it means to pray. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I I bet that for some of you, um, that brought back some memories, um, some memories of engaging that, and, or maybe that was the first time you've heard it in that context. It's a beautiful prayer that Jesus says, hey, I, I want you to, to pray like this. But sometimes we get kind of caught up on things that Jesus didn't say. 
And Jesus didn't intend for us to pray those words specifically over and over again, as we just talked about. Verse, verses eight through, or 5 through 8 kind of indicate that, that Jesus says, don't pray over and over and don't babble on and on. Can you imagine having the exact same conversation with someone every time you talk to them? I mean, every time you walked you know, into work and saw this one coworker, it was the exact same word for word. You know, I've got a friend of mine that we engage a similar conversation like that. I can guarantee you, I can tell you when the phone rings what questions will be asked and about how long the conversation will go. And it's the same over and over. And it's rather boring. Even when I try to throw in some other um, conversation, it usually gets right back to the same questions. And it's a boring conversation. And um, I don't think God wants us to engage him in a boring way. You know, okay, God, the same prayer over and over and over again. He goes, yeah, I heard that one. Okay, let's try a new one. Well, let's talk about something else. And so when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he's giving them a model prayer. So he uses it as a guide for us, not as just, hey, pray these specific words. And so in verse 9, he says, pray like this. So if you look down in, um, in the, your Bibles that you have there, if you're looking at one of our Bibles, it's a New Living Translation. And what we heard today was out of the New King James Version. So it, the, what we're going to be reading is not as flowery, not as poetic. So just remember that as we're walking our way through this. In verse 9, Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. It's so neat how he starts this prayer. Our Father in heaven. So he starts with this assumption that we have a personal relationship with his Father. We have a real relationship. So the big question of the day is, do you have a relationship with God like that? Can you call God your Father? Can you call him your Heavenly Father? And he becomes that only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only when you believe that Jesus died for you are you able to say, God, you're my Father, and you can interact with Him in in that way. And so this God as our Father reference points to a relationship that has been established and is growing. Now, for some of us, it's hard to imagine God like a Father. You know, um, any dads here? Raise your hand if you're a dad. All right, dads, there's a whole lot of pressure on you, okay? Because your kids, like, most often determine what they think God is like as they interact with you. So it's a little bit humbling, right? You know, like, I, I like, feel so bad for my kids. Like, oh, no, God's not like that, okay? You know, when I said that last night, no, he wouldn't say that. Yeah, don't, don't think of that, God that way. But God takes a lot of flack from us earthly fathers. But regardless of, of our interactions with our dad, we, each one of us, can approach God like a child approaches a loving heavenly father where we can just climb up into his lap and he loves to hear about our day. He wants to talk to us. He wants to meet our needs. And he says, yeah, dad, I like, I like fell and scraped my knee. And he goes, I know, I watched it. And I'm here to take care of you. So we can interact with God like a loving father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. So we have the privilege to call the creator of the universe, Father. 
It's amazing. It's another one of those things that just blows my mind and, and wrecks me when I think about it. And verse 9 continues. And it says, May your name be kept holy. Now, it's hard for us to imagine what that really means in the context of our culture and our community. Often we hear God's name used inappropriately. We don't hear God's name uh, held with reverence. And the old, time, um, the old Testament followers of Jesus, those that are followers of God, I'm sorry, before Jesus came along, in, uh, people that, that were following God in the Old Testament time period of life, many of them didn't feel that they were worthy to even say God's name. So they wouldn't. I mean, there was a name reserved for God, and it was just like, you know what? It's too precious to pass your lips because the moment you form it in your mouth, you messed with it, and it's no longer God because it's no longer holy. So there was this, and I don't know how he interacted, kind of like the artist formerly known as Prince. I'm not sure if God went by a symbol or something. But anyway, there was this name that was so valuable. It was so reverent. It was so awesome that they were careful with how they used his name because they knew who he was. And so often in the Bible, we'll find these tensions, these things that that come at us that look like they are opposites, and yet they are both true at the same time. And Jesus is saying, now you have to learn how to navigate these two together. It's not one or the other. It's both of these things merged together. So on the one hand, we have Jesus saying that we can approach God like a loving father, can run into his arms. And then on the other hand, he says, remember who you're dealing with. The guy you're talking to makes that next breath possible. That next heartbeat that you just had, it came from him. Like he's holding your heart together. He's making it beat. So remember who you are in the presence of. So may your name be kept holy is this reference of respect and awe that we have of him. That we are just blown away. And some of you, in the tension of those two things, and probably many people, need to know that you can run into God's embrace and, and, and feel him like a heavenly father just scooping you up and feel his, his strong muscles around you taking care of you in the moments of your grief and struggle. And many of, of us need to engage God that way. And you need to know you can run to God because he's your father. There's others of us that need to know he's not like a drinking buddy. He's not like, you know, just this guy you pile around with and whatever, he'll forgive me and I can do whatever. It doesn't matter because, you know, the Bible says he'll forgive me and it'll all be okay because he has to. And God goes, no, remember who you're talking to. Verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. Now, this is an incredible reminder to me of the epic story that we live in. We live in this amazing story, and our stories are just a small part of God's ultimate story. The Bible teaches that one day Jesus will come back. It actually says that on a cloudy day, Jesus will step out of the clouds. Anybody see clouds lately? My kids um, regularly say, my little seven-year-old has been saying it a lot lately, wow, there's another cloud. I wonder if that's the Jesus cloud. I'm like, I don't know, but it's really, it looks like it could be. That's so cool. I hope it is because we're going. Grab my hand. <laughs> One day, Jesus is going to come on a cloudy day, and a voice is going to shout, and a trumpet's going to blow, and he's going to say, it's time to come home. If you've given your heart to me, it's over. It's time to come home. 
You've finished the race. You've run the race that I've set before you. And here's the finish line. Now come on home. Man, that is going to be an incredible day. But until that day comes, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has an assignment for you. It's to go tell other people about the kingdom of God. It's to go tell other people that one day Jesus is coming on that cloud. And one day when that cloud opens up, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not called home because you can't call God your heavenly father. And so those people who don't have that relationship are left behind. And our job is to go make sure that there are very few people left behind. So we are like ambassadors for the kingdom of God to go tell people about this kingdom that's coming. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Those people that say, I don't even believe there's a God. One day, their knee will be bowed to Him. And if they don't come to know Him in a personal way here, now on planet earth, they won't know him in a personal way for all of eternity. And so our job as believers of Jesus is to go tell them, to advance the kingdom of God. Verse 10 continues, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus reminds us that we are to pray for God's will to be done. I don't know if you've ever got caught up in this, but often when I'm praying to God, I'm like convincing him. I'm like trying to show him the best way to do things. I'm hoping that he'll follow my, you know, rule, my plans or, you know, the blueprint that I have for, for how I would like him to work out this scenario or this situation. And Jesus says, no, it's not about your will. It's about God's will because he's the one that knows what's right. He always does what is good, right, and perfect. So if we tie ourselves back to that truth and allow him to work out his plan, then it'll come out great. But the moment we get involved in the mix, some weird things start happening. He says, remember, it's about his will. And so this statement is a reminder to us that, God, you are in charge. I'm not in charge, even though I think I am sometimes, even though I would like to be sometimes. It's not about me. I'm not in charge. You are in charge. You know the best way to live, so you unfold this the way that you want to unfold this and I will follow you in your lead. Now, in these first three sentences of this prayer, Jesus is talking about giving praise to God. So there's a lot of attention going on to God right here in this moment. And then in verse 11, he transitions to another subject, and he says, give us today the food that we need. So Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with telling God what you need. There's nothing wrong with talking about the needs that you have in your life. He says it's a good thing to do. I encourage you to do that. You know, sometimes we go way overboard in this. Sometimes we get a little bit out of balance in talking to God about our needs. Um, sometimes the only time we talk to God is when we have a need. And again, can you imagine having a friendship that the only time someone comes along is because they want you to give them something? I mean, how great of a friendship is that? You might have some people in your life like that right now. And it's, it kind of strains the relationship. It's like, you know what? You're not really in a relationship. You're just, you're using me. And sometimes when we engage God that way and just say, gimme, 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 God goes, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, just not like a, I'm not like a genie in a bottle. 
I'm not like, you know, the eternal vending machine. You just, you know, you know put your money in and bang on it and, and you get what you want. So let's talk about your needs in a, in a real practical way. So it's interesting that the words that Jesus used here, give us today the food that we need. Give us today, not tomorrow. You know, I'm not worried about tomorrow's food. I'm just worried about today. So give us today the food that we need today. Jesus reminds us that God is the provider of our needs, not just our wants. And it's amazing because God provides our wants as well. You know, as a dad, I love to provide for my kids. And they're all getting ready for school and hate, hating it right now, you know. So I'm like, hey, two weeks till school. I'm like, dad, stop. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, we got to get you ready because you like, you know, there's a lot of, you got to have and do. And I want them to be prepared for school. I want them to have what they need so they can have a successful school year. I love providing for their needs. But when that need is, Dad, I've got to have, you know, that iPod, that new iPod, because, you know, it's really going to help me study, because I can really focus in when I have those things in my ear. Again, I'm not as excited about that. Or when my little five-year-old says, Dad, I need another Wii game. I need one, Dad. And sometimes he, you know, grabs my, you know, my face with his hand. Dad, I need Lego Batman. Like, no, you don't need Lego Batman, buddy. You've got Lego Star Wars, and you've got Legos Indiana Jones. You don't need Lego Batman. And so there's this engagement that we have with God, and God goes, you know what, I really, I'll meet your wants sometimes. It's about your needs. I promise to meet your needs. I'm, I'm the great provider. And our world is experiencing a time where we need to engage God in a different way. In the economic situation that our world finds ourselves in, I know that many people are their prayers are changing from wants to needs. There are people saying, God, we're about to lose our home. And you've promised to meet our needs. And it feels like a home is, is a, a need that we have, um, a place to live, a place to reside. And so would you show up? And, and I think that, that God just wants to remind us that it's not about our government. It's not about our stuff. That he's the provider. He will provide your needs. Whatever need that you have in your life right now, if it's a legit need, he will provide for it in his time. Verse 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, this is an incredible statement of humility. Now, so here we are, humble before God. God, forgive me the things that I've done wrong. Just like I have forgiven other people for the things that they have done, done wrong. And we often want God's forgiveness before we go forgive other people. And you see how Jesus kind of words that there. It's we're talking to God about forgiving us after we have provided forgiveness to other people. And so it, again, God, forgive me like I have forgiven other people around me. So another big question for all of us is how are you doing at forgiving others? Others around you. How are you doing at that? Down in verse 14, it says that if we forgive others, then God will forgive us. But, oh, this is a humbling thing to read. If we refuse to forgive others, God will not forgive us. So if you say, you know what, I'm not going to forgive that person. What they did to me was so bad. It was so wrong. It was so evil. It was, it was so horrendous. Just forgiveness is not even possible. God says, yeah, that's like what I did for you. And I ask you to forgive them. 
Doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with them. Doesn't mean you have to say that what they did was okay. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you need to forgive them. And so this is our prayer to God saying, God, I don't take this lightly. I don't take your forgiveness lightly. It's precious. And so as you give it to me, Lord, I know I need to forgive others. So who in your world, world might you need to forgive today? Who might need that forgiveness? And you may need to be the one that extends it to them. Verse 13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, this is a request of God to save us from ourselves and from the enemy of God. And if we are left to ourselves, I don't know if you ever noticed this about yourself, but like when I'm left to myself without God's guidance in my life, I usually drift away from God. It's kind of an interesting thing, you know, like gravity kind of pulls you all, always down. Um, I'm always pulled away from God, not towards God. When I'm just like on my own, doing my own thing, making my own thoughts, my own decisions without God's influence, I just drift away. And I was reminded this past week of a song that um, has been sung in churches for a long time. It's kind of an old hymnal song, and it's, uh, the title is Come Thou Fount. And there's a verse in there that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't know if you can identify with that in your own life. If you've walked in a relationship with God for any length of time, I'm sure that you found that for yourself. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And then there's this plea in that song, Take my heart, Lord, and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. You know, it's this idea of left to myself, I'm just going to wander off and, and do the wrong thing. And so Jesus encourages us to pray for the strength to endure temptation. In James chapter 1, verse 12, says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, the enemy of God will do anything and everything in his power to keep you from becoming like Jesus. So if that's the goal that God has for you to become like Jesus, there is a very real and live enemy, and he can't stand God, he can't stand Jesus, and he can't stand you. And so he will do anything in his power to get between you and becoming like Jesus. And one of the things that he uses against us on a regular basis is to tempt us away, to just draw us away from the Creator. And most often he uses these real subtle ways, these things that don't even really hit our radar, and all of a sudden before we know it, it's like, wow, where am I now? I'm like really far from God. What happened? I don't know. I just got off path somewhere. Where did I get off path? Oh, it was back there when it was just that slight little subtle thing that drifted me away. And so often I pray to God, God, just take the temptation away. Life would be so much easier if there just were no temptations. And he goes, yeah, but you just wouldn't be a warrior that I need you to be. You know, can you imagine it going in the military and, and the, the new recruit saying, yeah, can we just like not have bullets? And like not have like push-ups and stuff like that. And, and, you know, like when it comes to really fighting the battle, maybe, maybe we could do it like as a video game and like whoever gets the most points wins. And, you know, and then, you know, we give the prize to the winner, winning country. The, the spiritual life is a battle. It's a battle that we engage. And so God says, I want you ready. And so he doesn't always just take the temptation and pull it away from us. He says, you've got to learn how to navigate that stuff. And there are moments he says, you run away from temptation. And when there's temptation that comes in your world, run away from it. 
Get away from it as fast as you can. That's part of you growing to be a disciple, part of you growing to be a warrior for Christ. In 1 Peter 5.8, talks about our enemy. And this is a, a just passionate plea when he says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. The enemy has had way too many Christ followers in his mouth. Way too many. He's devoured way too many. You should see his, um, his prize wall where he hangs all of his prize uh, catches, all the, 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 um, the enemy that he's defeated. Pardon? You know what? That is a great question. And if you allow me, we'll engage that a little bit deeper after. It's a good question. The question was asked, how do you come back from that? Or can you come back from that? So we've got Jesus' model prayer here. So Jesus says, hey, this is how I want you to pray. This is a a guide for you to use on your journey. Now, that was, and we spent a lot of time talking about the talking part, okay? So there's this other part of communication, healthy communication with God. And and some of you are looking at your watches, getting a little nervous, like, is he going to talk as long about that part? No, I'm not. So we're talking about the listening part. And some of us don't have any trouble talking to God. There's actually, sometimes God goes, yeah, I just wish you would do that, like, Stop talking a little bit. Like, you talk all the time. You don't give me any opportunity. There's no room here for me to talk back to you because your mouth keeps going. So there's moments, like Psalms 46.10, that says, Be still. Be still. Yeah, but God, no, be still. Yeah, but what about it? Be still. Yeah, but I have this problem. Be still. Yeah, but I want to know how you're going to work this out. Just be still. And no that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And too often, we're just not still enough to hear God. And sometimes we're, we're saying, God, I just wish you'd speak to me. I wish you would talk. And he goes, I would. Just be quiet for a moment. And I'll talk to you. Because I want to talk to you. I want to tell you. But you've got to listen. So you've got to open up your ears and you've got to listen in a whole new way. And sometimes we're, we're just not spending enough time quietly in prayer. Sometimes we're not reading the Bible enough. You know, sometimes when you're driving down the road, you need to turn the radio off and just go, okay, God, I'm just like hanging. Or you need to turn the radio on and turn it to like a, a station that's got some, some God music on it, so, some great uh, Christian music that you can listen to and you can allow God to just speak to you through the song of the day. We've, we've got to learn how to spend more time listening. It's not possible to have a deep, rich, passionate relationship with the creator of the universe in five seconds a day. And that's so often what we want is, okay, God, I'm going to pray for my food. Now just magically make me a warrior for you. Because no, it's like a longer process than that. We've got to hang out. So God wants us to learn how to spend time with him, just hang out talking to him. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to practice both of those things. All right, so we are going to listen to a song that's going to come up on the screen. And what I want you to do is just take these moments and be still and just be quiet and just kind of block out some of the distractions and as much as you can, just focus on the speakers, focus on the the, the video, if you need to close your eyes, go ahead and close your eyes and allow the words to just flow over you in your life and just listen. 
listen, listen. Don't talk to God in this moment. Just listen to God in this moment. And then we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit together. Let's do that together. No matter what you believe about God, no matter whether you're in a relationship with Him or not, the truth is Jesus paid it all. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I hope that in that moment, as those words were flowing over your mind and your ears, that they were reaching down into your heart and Jesus was grabbing a hold of your heart and saying, you know, I'm holding this thing together for you. I love you. I paid it all. Your sins were, were rough. You know, they left this really scarlet stain. And yet I came to die for you. So I want you to do in just a moment, while Brandon's playing, is just close your eyes and bow your head just to block out distractions. And I want you in your way to encounter God, engage him, talk to him, thank him for the fact that Jesus paid it all. I'm going to give you a moment to do that, and then I'm going to wrap us up in prayer. God, I just humbly today thank you, Lord, for a new day that you've given us. And Jesus, I thank you for paying it all for me. You didn't have to. And yet you did. You paid it for all of us so that we could experience eternity with you forever. So Lord, today again, I'm thankful. Humbled by your grace and thankful for your love. Thank you for teaching us, Jesus, what it looks like for us to pray. And our prayer this week is that we would grow in a deeper prayer life with you, that we would talk to you more, that we would listen to you more, that we would engage you more and learn what it means to live a life of prayer without ceasing. We would pray all the time. It would just be a natural thing, just as natural as breathing, that our lives would be a prayer to you. So I thank you for today and the opportunity to come and learn together. Teach us, we pray, throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We've got some resources for you that we're going to put up on our website, theepicchurch.com, um, probably later today or tomorrow morning. And we've got this um, prayer journey that we've kind of packaged for you. Maybe if you're new to prayer and you'd like to, to learn some things, how do you walk in this? So we're kind of walking back through the Lord's Prayer um, this week. So Monday through Saturday, there's an element for you to engage and pray and practice and learn and grow. Um, so that is our first G in the 5G life and learning what it means to become like Jesus. And so next week, we'll engage another one. And um, it, would you stand with me as Brandon kind of leads us out in our closing worship song? And would you, as you do that, sing that song as a prayer to God as you leave today? Go ahead, Brandon. Thanks. Thanks.